Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. This morning, of course, it's uh, Thanksgiving week, so we're talking about being thankful and developing thankfulness in our lives. And you might think that's a little bit odd for a title, but early on, we know that we teach our children to be thankful. Someone maybe pays them a compliment. What do we say? Say thank you. Someone gives them a gift, a birthday present or something like that. What do we teach them to say? Be thankful. No, thank, thank you. We want them to be a thankful you know, group of people when we teach them as they're growing up. But there is another level of thankfulness that I believe we all are required to learn this lesson on thankfulness. And the reason why we have to be taught it is because it's something that we develop. It's not something that's basic or automatic like someone gave you something that's provisional and you say thank you for that. No, this is a different level of thankfulness. And in this level, of course, the perspective changes. The thing that we're going to be thankful for, not necessarily something that typically we would give thanks to God for or thanks to anybody for, because it's a difficult situation that we encounter. So we have to be taught to be thankful this way. Remember the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, in everything give thanks. In everything, not for everything. So in everything which would include things that might be difficult for us to give thanks in. So this has to be a learned experience, something that we're taught that really in life it's overlooked. We don't really hear this from education, educators, and we don't learn it in school or anything like that. You know, basically the elementary is someone did something good for you. A provision was made for you. Thank you. But now when it comes to something that typically we wouldn't be thankful for, a situation, it lifts our eyes up beyond the provision and we see something else, which is the presence of a living God who's bigger than the problem that we face. Now, what I want us to do is look in Psalms 23 because the 23rd Psalm perfectly illustrates these two perspectives when it comes to learning to be thankful people. In the first three verses, it talks about provision and we're thankful for the provision of God. And as we look at the, those verses, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Right? Okay, so what do we have here? First of all, we're thankful for the shepherd that we have. A shepherd is one who is loving and caring. One who provides all that is necessary for the sheep. Are you thankful this morning that you have a great shepherd? of your soul, the great bishop of your soul, whose name is Jesus. We're thankful for that. That's the role that he plays in our lives. David understood that. He was a great shepherd. He watched over the sheep of his father with loving care and kindness and concern, even willing to lay down his life for the sheep because he was not a hireling. He was a good shepherd. Well, he's my shepherd. And I'm thankful for that. So I shall not want. What a setting. Not need, want. Thank God, 
He supplies all of our needs according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But here's a place where the shepherd is so good that we have no wants. He meets even all of our wants. So because you're in him, you have a want for no good thing. Everything is provided for us. And so we're thankful to him for all that he provides for us. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. What a wonderful work of the great shepherd of our souls. There I am grazing so much there before me with contentment, peace. You know, when you're having a meal, it's nice to be, not to be interrupted, right? You want to sit down, enjoy what you're eating, and have a wonderful time of contentment and peace and, you know, nothing else that's going on. And so we're thankful that we have a shepherd who provides all that we need so that we can graze without any problems whatsoever. We're not even thinking about any enemy or anything negative or evil because we're in a place of, of bliss. So we shall not want. Why? Because he makes us to lie down in green pastures. But then he leads us beside still waters. Be still and know that I am God. Perfect peace. Perfect contentment. Thank you. Thank you. No worries, no anxieties, no fears, no frustrations. Why? I'm in this perfect place. The still waters of refreshing and rest. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful place to be in. Have you ever seen sometimes even the Ohio River? Sometimes. The Ohio River is just like a mirror. No waves. No movement. Almost looks like a glass. A piece of glass. Or just, be still. And just know that I'm God. We've got such a great shepherd, such a wonderful, wonderful shepherd that he leads us beside still waters of refreshing. And we're not concerned about where our next drink is going to come from or where our food's going to come from. And then he restores my soul. Oh, thank God that we have an anchor for the soul. He anchors our soul when our soul might want to drift off and think over here or think over there. We're thankful that what does the shepherd do? It's provisional. He says, uh-uh, that's not the way you want to go. See, I know what's down that path. That's not the way you want to go. And so he reels us back in the way we think. He wants our thinking to line up with his thinking, our minds to be renewed to what he would have for us to know. And so we thank God for the provision of a shepherd who sees to it that we don't go down the wrong path. And then the next verse that tells us, not only does he provide peace for the soul, he guides us. He guides us along the path of life. He leads us in the paths of righteousness means the right way to go. How often have we been in that place where we say, is this the right way to go? There's a fork in the road. Which way should I go? But we have this great shepherd that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. There's a voice behind our ear that says, this is the way I want you to go, walk ye in it. And so we see ourselves in a setting of peace and tranquility and calm, a place of extreme provision where he provides everything that we need. And so this is the attitude that we have. We are so thankful, so grateful for a loving, caring shepherd of our souls. But you know what? Look at the next verse. The next verse says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do you see the transition from this beautiful place, this beautiful utopia, this place of just peace and, and contentment and, and safety and security? Yea, 
And another translation, other translations say, even though, even when, even if, are the three different translations. Even if, even though, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Look at the transition. Now I'm not looking around everything, at everything around me because it's so wonderful, it's so blissed, such a wonderful experience that I'm having in life. Now I'm surrounded by the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm not going to fear any evil because you're with me. Now this transitions from provision to presence. You are with me. I fear no evil. You're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Notice, we shift over to this other place. In this life, we have challenges. In this life, we have difficulties. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And now we're not in a favorable place. We're in a difficult place. The focus shifts from the provision of God to the presence of God. And I'm not to lose sight of his presence, even though I'm being challenged and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I may be surrounded by uncertainty, anxiety, fear, worry, sickness, disease, and the list goes on and on and on and on. But I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. Now my thankfulness is because of his presence with me while I walk through the challenges of life. Nothing speaks of this more so than Joshua in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 9 when he said these words. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Notice the table that's set before him now. The table that's set before him has enemies seated around it. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not going to fear any evil. You see, Joshua and Caleb were both seated at the same table that the other ten spies were seated at. Yes, there were those that saw the giants. Yes, there were those that saw the walled cities. Yes, those are, there were those that saw the elite warriors that were on their side. And that's all they saw. That's all they were consumed with. While walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we have our focus either on the problem or the problem solver. And David was saying, look, I know there's been times of difficulty in my life. I've been tempted, they say, to get off course and get off track. But what kept me on the right path was looking to him. So if you can envision this, if you can see this, if we're seated around this table, and to the left of me I have uncertainty, and to the right of me I have fear, and then again to the left I've got worry, and the other side I've got frustration. Maybe there's sickness, maybe there's lack, maybe there's want, maybe there's trials, maybe there's an ambush that's set out there. And the list goes on and on and on, and if we allow it, our heads will be down. But the Bible tells us that he is the glory and the lifter of our heads. 
And then when we lift up our eyes, seated at the other end of the table, the head of the table is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who says to us, don't worry, don't fear when you walk to the valley of the shadow of death, when uncertainty is staring you in the face, when temptation is staring you in the face, when sickness or disease is staring you in the face, when lack is staring you in the face, look at me, I am with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. In other words, I will be there for you. So thank me for who I am and don't get consumed by what you see. Well, the 10 spies were consumed by what they saw and allowed what they saw to eat them up. But Joshua said, they're bread for us. It's like having lunch. We're going to feed on this circumstance because we know that God is on our side and he will see us through to victory. And so praise God, what a perspective, what a change of heart, attitude, thinking and mind. I see God in the midst of the situation. I see him greater than the situation. As a matter of fact, that is bread for me. I'm going to have their lunch. Because God who is on my side is going to see me through to victory. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 and verse 14 tells us, Now thanks be to God, which sometimes causes us... How often? Say it again. Say it like you mean it. Say it with authority. Say it loud. Say it clear. Always. Always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes, the mani makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. What he is saying is this. What is it that you're facing today? Praise God. He always causes us to triumph. There can be no triumph if there was no war. If there was no challenge, if there was no adversity, there could be no triumph. But praise God, no matter what it is that you and I are going through in this life, he says, look to me. Don't look to the circumstance. That circumstance is bread for you to feed on. You can feed on that. Your faith will grow. And praise God, you'll rise up victorious because he always causes us to triumph in Christ. Is it not easy to say, thank you when all is well with your soul? Well, this is what he's saying here. When peace like a river attends my way, thank you. But when sorrows like sea billows roll, thank you. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you say it with me? It is well. It is well with my soul. See, whether it's peace like a river or whether it's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it is well, it is well with my soul. I'm thanking you. Praise God. I'm not concerned about those that can only kill the body. 
I'm concerned about the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell. And so you know what? My focus, my attention is on you, the one at the end of the table, at the head of the table, and I'm going to declare it. I thank you for being bigger than uncertainty. I thank you for being greater than sickness. I thank you for being greater than lack. I thank you for being greater than difficulties and challenges and whatever it is that I encounter in this life. I want to thank you even in the hard places. I want to thank you when they say there's no hope, there's no help for you in God. But what does the psalmist say? What did David say? They said there's no help for me in God. But you know what I say? Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. The glory and the lifter of my head. I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord above of heaven and earth who made it all. Praise God. And so he's greater in me than he that is in the world. And if God be for me, who could be against me? He's on my side. We make up the majority. Can you say amen? amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, here we have Jesus basically revealing to us the perfect model of one who is thankful in the midst of adversity, trial, suffering circumstance in this chapter which we're going to celebrate here today notice this is what he taught the apostle paul i've received of the lord that which also i delivered unto you that the lord jesus the same night in which he was sitting in a beautiful place betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks what did he give he break it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And the same manner, meaning he did the same thing. He took the cup and he gave thanks. He took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks judgment or damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many of you are weak, sickly, and die prematurely or sleep. Here we have Jesus, not in a place of everybody patting him on the back. He knows his body is about to be broken. He knows his blood is about to be shed. And what does he do? You see, he said to his father, I'm going to have to trust you with my life from here on out. Because once I go to that cross and I die, I'm in your hands. And I believe this body was prepared for, for, for me so I could do your work and fulfill redemption. And so I'm going to trust you with it. So, Father, I am thanking you right now for this body that you've allowed me to live in on this earth to carry out this mission that you sent me to the earth to complete. I want to thank you for the blood that's flowing through my veins because you see it's not tainted with the Adamic sin nature. The blood flowing through my veins is the only blood that can save lost humanity. But I know what it's going to mean for me. It's going to mean suffering. It's going to mean persecution. It's going to mean death. And so there he is seated around the table with his disciples. And he gives thanks. You see, he gave thanks knowing he would be going through the hard place. He gave thanks knowing he would be persecuted and suffer like no man had ever suffered before. 
And what was going to carry him through was giving thanks to the Father for honoring his word and seeing to it that once he finished the work, he would be reinstated to, his lost, to the position that he left behind when he left the glory world to come to this earth to save us. So I thank you for the body and I thank you for the blood. And it will be applied and mankind will be saved. You see, look at Hebrews chapter 12 because it gives us an understanding of what his position was. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. See, the table was set. If he looked at the table, it would have said persecution on one side, suffering on the other side, false accusations as well on one side, persecution and death on the other side. But no, he looked beyond that to the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus himself models this for us. My focus, my attention was not on the cross. It was not on my suffering, not on the persecution. I went to the rock in the garden. I prayed this thing through, and I know that as I gave thanks to my Father that I would be empowered to go through it all, and at the end of it all, I would be reinstated. I would take, once again, my position at the right hand of the majesty on high. I would fill that seat in the throne room of God that's empty since I left it. And I will be the one to conquer death, hell, and the grave and make it possible for many sons and daughters to emerge as the family of God. So Jesus looked beyond it all. He didn't fix his, his attention on the false accusations, on the uh, persecution and affliction and the sufferings that he would encounter. He focused his attention on the end result. Do you know we've been called to do the same thing? As a matter of fact, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at what Paul says about us. For which cause we faint not. Have you ever had a time that you thought you might faint? That you might give up, that you might throw in the towel, that you might think that this difficulty is just too, too much for me to handle? For this, which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, this life is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Glory is a weight, weighed down by the glory of God. While we look at all of our troubles, all of our difficulties, all of our challenges, all of our suffering, all of our persecution, all the things we face that's negative in this life. No, he didn't say that. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He wants us to start looking at the things that are eternal, and by doing so, we overcome the things that are temporal. If we look at ourselves and think we could do it on our own, in our own strength or power or ability, then guess what? We're going to fall short. But if we look at the end of the table that's set, Oh, thank God a table is set before us in the presence of our enemies. When I look at uncertainty, I see a barley loaf. Going to have you for lunch. 
When I see difficulty, I might as well say see a pizza. Because I'm having you for sure for lunch. If all I see is the difficulty and what it represents, then I will be overcome. But when I start looking not at the things which are seen, but at the end, I may not see him there physically, but I see him at the head of my life. I see him on the throne of my heart. I see him as greater than what I'm going through in this life. And I focus my attention on him. I stay focused on him. I see the end result. One day I'm going to leave this temporal world that I live in and so are you. We're going to come out of this body, praise God, and we're going to rise and we're going to be glorified and we're going to be with him and we're going to live with him. We're going to reign with him and all this world be left behind no more sorrow, no more sighing, no more crying, no more dying, no more woes of this life. Praise God, they're gone forever. There's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun, and there's victory to be won on this earth. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So, in conclusion, this is not something that we automatically do. We have to learn this behavior. We learn about thankfulness this way. God wants me to thank him in the midst of the situation that's difficult. He wants me to thank him when I'm challenged to the very limits of my abilities. But I'm going to thank him. Why? Because thankfulness does this. Number one, it gives God all the glory. It gives him all the glory. And also it protects me from living a life that makes me the victim. Think about it. I'm not going to live the life of a victim. No, not absolutely not. I'm not going to focus on what I don't have. I'm going to focus on what I do have. And what do I have? All things that pertain to life and godliness. What do I have? A shepherd, the great bishop of my soul. What do I have? A high priest at the right hand of God, a, a mediator at the right hand of God, an advocate at the right hand of God, an intercessor at the right hand of God. I have a surety, which is a guarantee of the new and everlasting covenant at the right hand of the majesty on high who is there for me, who represents me. I'm going to focus my attention on who he is and what I have in him. I'm not going to focus on what I don't have. When what I have is so wonderful. Amen. You see, whether it's lack, whether it's a, a job that I need, whatever it might be, you're bigger than that. That's my attention. And finally, it helps keep us humble and dependent on the one who loves us, who died for us, who cares for us. See, humility is this. Without him, I'm nothing. I have nothing. I know nothing. I can do nothing. Someone challenges you and says, well, wait a minute. I got a brain and I've educated it and I've used it to get all that I have. Tell that to Nebuchadnezzar when he built his kingdom and said, see, I got all this by the work of my hands. Really? He became an animal for how many years? lived like an animal, acted like an animal, finally came to his senses and said, I'm nothing. It's by the grace of God. Amen. Beloved, are you thankful this morning? Amen. Not because of what good things you have in life only. Let's graduate from provisional 
thankfulness to the presence of God thankfulness even in the midst of challenges and difficulties can you say amen to that